Welcome to Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution as these podcasts feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Jurassic World Dominion starring Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, and Campbell Scott. Story by Derek Connolly and Colin Trevorrow. Screenplay by Emily Carmichael and Colin Trevorrow. And directed by Colin Trevorrow. Welcome back to Rise Smile Films. It's time to serve up some more small batch film review. A review 65 million years in the making. And another legacy sequel at that. Mm -hmm. uh, Released a couple weeks ago, Jurassic World Dominion. We're finally bringing it to you. And boy, do we got a lot to talk about. Just about this franchise. Uh... This film, uh, and I, I was thinking back a little bit. We had Top Gun Maverick, but there's been a lot of these types of films that have come out. Halloween Kills was kind of in that camp. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole Star Wars sequel was a little bit of that, right? Bringing yeah. back the old people. and Probably even go with Creed if you wanted. Yeah, Creed a little bit too. But this kind of been like the thing is just like how we can bring back the past and repurpose it for the future and... We saw how successful that was with last week's film, uh, Top Gun. We'll kind of see how that fares with this one. I don't know how this is going to go. I kind of have an idea how this Sure, sure. Um, but uh, pouring out some, oh, this is Agitator. This is a type of bourbon that's finished in the red wine uh, uh, barrel. So I always notice that that, that, that particular bourbon is going to be darker. It's going to be a little, a little sweeter, I think, too. So uh, cheers to you. Cheers. Before we dive right in, um, I spent the last week and a half going into this entire franchise from the first one, two, three, World One, and Fallen Kingdom, and then I went to go see the new one. And I got to tell you, it's that franchise is a wild ride from the high highs to the to the low lows. So it'll be kind of fun to talk about the series a little bit. That first film is blockbuster perfection i mean mm-hmm. it's an expertly directed film and i think sometimes very lowly of david kep especially when he directs his own material but he writes a really tight two hours screenplay adapted from Crichton's book um it knows what it needs to be man it's a thrill ride and there's great character moments so it's surprising to me that when these characters come back we'll talk about it how it kind of doesn't work at all. So, yeah. Uh, you ready? Let's just dive right in. Let's jump right in. <laughs> Let's dive into that dino dung with our review of <laughs> Jurassic World Dominion. So this film kind of tries to play catch up. It, it's almost like the film's not confident that you saw the prior films in this series or it's been too long to kind of, it's almost kind of just a splash, almost like the Rocky films, right? Yeah. <laughs> but done way poorly. Yeah. So they catch you up on the Jurassic World incident that had to have resulted in thousands of people dying and a tremendous amount of lawsuits. And the Fallen Kingdom goes into that a little bit. And then the volcano incident, getting the dinos off the island before it 
makes them extinct, which, you know, it's whatever. Whatever. And then the the Lockwood Mansion dino auction incident. But they catch us up on something, and I think this is the one detail that I completely forgot about, and I think the general audience totally bypassed as well. It's going to become a big part of this movie that this little girl, Maisie, is a human clone. Oh, no. Yeah, B.D. Wong, uh, on top of creating hybrid dinosaurs and then beating wong man he came he became like the capital v villain of this sequel series Mm -hmm. (laughs) until they try to redeem him at the 11th hour in this movie oh god uh yeah human clones Mm -hmm. did you forget about that like that's that's a that seems like a huge detail of absurdity first of all yep and it's a huge it's a huge moment of this film what would he kind of take with that (laughs) You're going to be introduced into the evil conglomerate that we often see in science fiction films, Mm -hmm. Biosyn. But in regards to the cloning element, I'd forgot that that was even part of this, probably because when I think Jurassic Park, Mm -hmm. I guess I go back to maybe the first and second installments, and it was really simple. Oh, yeah. This is a continual problem. Each one of these monster films that you and I have covered now for the better part of three years, and that is I really care minimally about the human interest in so far as it relates to science piece of this. All I want to see <clears throat> is big animals taking on humans who have one thing, opposable thumbs and rational thought. Yeah. And that's it. That's why the first one works so well. Mm-hmm. It's really simple. Yeah. When we start getting into a cloned human and then the daughter of a cloned human who was able to reproduce <laughs> the child herself, I had even forgot that that was part of the story because I don't care about that. It's not Jurassic cloning. It's Jurassic World. That was a new nugget in this film. We, As far as we knew from Fallen Kingdom that uh, what's his, James Cromwell was John Hammond's partner. Almost in kind of like a Breaking Bad Grey Matter situation. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there's someone got cut out of the engine profits when he made Jurassic Park, but... He was involved in that, and his daughter died, I thought, in like a car accident, and he was so upset about that that he wanted a clone to relive that whatever, and B.D. Wong helped him. Now, yeah, they doubled down on that uh, quite a bit in this one and telling you how the clone was gestated. Mm-hmm. So this girl's going to matter, right? Yeah. Here's what's crazy about the opening of the movie. It's this hockneyed rescue by Bryce Dallas Howard to, I think, save either a protoceratops or a triceratops who is sick. Now, here's my here's my first really big problem other than this idea of we're going to watch a movie about genetic cloning. Mm-hmm. If we believe that life will find a way, courtesy of Dr. Ian Malcolm, then you really double down on that and you let it happen without interference scientifically from the powers that be. Because life will find a way. As Bryce Dallas Howard goes into some ranch with her partner to save a triceratops from a puppy farm, yeah, she finds that this one is really sick. There's no reason to know why it's sick. And frankly, other than, does she inject it with like an antidote? Yeah. Which would surely go through this dinosaur's soft, supple skin. Yeah. That doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie. With not a, and you know why? Yeah. It, because I don't think they had a clue 
where they were going in this film. It's three different stories. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, Mm -hmm. the big, big, challenging animal presence in this film (laughs) isn't some larger than Triceratops or larger than T-Rex, T-Rex with the Gigantosaur. Are you ready for this, everybody? Hold down. I mean, hold on to something. Sit down. Because the chief animal... Stop your car. Put it in park. <laughs> yeah. You're not ready. Antagonist is... Locusts. Okay, so that's stupid. And for a franchise that continually has gone one route, we don't know what to do. Go bigger, go stronger, more fangs, more scales, more size. We take a complete... 360 here, 180, I guess. 360 would be in the same direction. Yeah. 180, and decide to go with insects. Now, if you want to make it matter, here's how you do this. If that Triceratops, which is a plant-based eating animal, yeah. consumes some of the plants that have been attacked by this swarm of locusts yeah. and thus is infecting its inner metabolism and making it sick. Now you have a challenge, which is these locusts, which they're going to try to get to anyway, although it doesn't make any sense to have an argument for this also Mm -hmm. start to compromise our food supply. Yeah. But none of that happens. Instead, you just get this stupid chase with this triceratops in the back of this van that's on the verge of dying before they know exactly what antidote to give it. Because this is just a rescue mission, not a rescue and recuperate mission. It's just, yeah. Nonsense. Yeah. They, they really tried to paint uh, Claire, Bryce Dallas Howard's character, as this humanitarian. And I got to tell you, she's like the worst character in this whole trilogy because she was the suit heel wearing mm-hmm. executive in that first one that just was all about money and Verizon Wireless presents the Indominus Rex. Yeah, yeah. And then was responsible for killing thousands of people. So they really try and soften her as this humanitarian that loves and wants to save the animals. And I'm calling BS, man, because these aren't animals. These are monsters. Like right. I don't know how the government or any of the governments didn't just meet at the UN and were just like, you know what? Nuke Isla Nublar. Yep. Five nukes, thermal nuclear war. Bye. End it. I don't know why we spend so much time trying to, to tame these monsters because the end of this movie is a joke that... We just have to live with the creatures. Live in harmony with them. No, these things like to eat, uh, screw each other, and just devour anything in their path. Ian Malcolm, this character with the very interesting philosophy, and he says it the same way 10 different times, right? Yep. Is right at the end of the day. I mean, these things that existed in a bygone era can't coexist with how we operate today's earth. It's just impossible. Mm-hmm. But this film's going to say, no, it is possible. Right. And it's through Claire. Oh, she's a she's a horrible character. And on top of it, it's time to finally just say this also. Yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard is a terrible actress. She is overacted terrible. in this whole series here. She's terrible in Lady in the Water. She's terrible in Spider-Man. She sucks oh, Spider-Man. she yeah, sucks yeah. original Gwen Stacy yeah that's right yeah she sucks Jesse she must have a famous father or something because I don't know how she keeps a gig in the in the industry uh kind of an okay director the ones she did at the Mandalorian were actually fairly decent so maybe that's you know fathering in father's footsteps yeah I'm with you though like yeah just like the the reactions that's just so overdone and way over dramatized so here's another thing about this relationship that Claire has now as we soften her up she has formed a pretty heart and hearty and healthy relationship with Chris Pratt's character. And they are living off the grid with Maisie, yeah. the clone child. 
with two goals. Number one, keep their dinosaurs alive in a frozen environment. Can yeah. we just stop for a second right there? Yeah, the Ice Age. <laughs> what the? Yeah. That, I, you couldn't have just made it sunny? Those velociraptors don't yeah. like snow. Yeah. Period. Warm-blooded reptiles, right? Thank you. Yeah. That's the first problem. Second one is we're going through some Maisie's 13 and trying to figure out pre-teenage angst, blah, blah, blah. Let me go. I want to do my own thing. Even though every federal force in the world yeah. is looking for her. So I want everyone just to picture this. Yeah. In a secluded, woodsy destination, we have murderer of thousands of people <laughs> with the velociraptor whisperer who seems to be able to communicate with the palm of his hand better than you and I can communicate with our voices. God, I, I see another palm in front of me scene. Stop I'm, in the name of dinosaurs. I'm going to lose it. Yeah. <laughs> These two are playing Paul Bunyan in this makeshift community mm -hmm. that has five characters living in it. Blue. And now we come to the big moment, Jesse. Blue has had a baby on her own. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So the biosyn engineering is now affecting the animals. Blue Jr. Blue. Blue Jr. Bryce Dallas Howard, Chris Pratt, and Maisie. Yep. In the cold. What I want Do you know, care? Do you no, care? No, I don't. Uh, absolutely not. And <clears throat> at the end of the Fallen Kingdom, when May Maisie's the one that lets all the dinosaurs out of that mansion and they just run amok in the, into, the, into the wild... Blues off in Scottsdale, Arizona somewhere. Yeah. I don't know how they reunited here, but they're in the same vicinity kind of watching out for each other, and it's completely absurd. Uh, and around this time, now that we've reintroduced the sequel characters, it's time to introduce the A-plot, I suppose, of the locust infestation, which I kind of thought, you know, it's like some farm in Texas, and these kids are, you know, trying to clean the, the chicken coop, and... These locusts are just locusts for And I'm like, what the heck are these things? Are they like some sort of weird flying dinosaur? No, they're just big grasshoppers yeah. eating the crops. And so they call Dr. Ellie Sattler uh, to come just investigate, see see what that is. And yeah, it was that when she showed up and we're going into these locusts and I'm like, oh my God, is this going to like, is this going to become like the crux of the film? Is this what brings everyone together and it kind of is with a scene stolen right out of the birds by the way yeah exactly the children escaping the schoolhouse as the birds mm. fly around the schoolyard building as those two kids escape into the barn from locusts that don't care about humans except for this one time yeah what <laughs> keep going sorry no it's just yeah it was they're they're big they're maybe about half the size of this table that we're sitting in front of and uh they look gross and I think maybe that might have been one of the few puppets in the movie because it's a CGI smorgasbord in this thing. But I think when they're looking at it up close, I think it's an actual creation. So I'll give it a tiny point here. But in a film about dinosaurs and prehistoric things running amok in, in the world, why are we screwing around with locusts, man? Mm -hmm. And then we find that they double down on that later of the, the, Dr. Henry Wu's failed botched experiment to redeem that character. Mm -hmm. And then when we bring Campbell Scott in this thing, man, we're just in shit city. But let's get let's get to that. Let's talk about the reintroduction of these legacy characters. So I just want to say I typically really love Laura Dern, Sam Neill, and Jeff Goldblum as actors, the films that they've been in. 
I think they're really good. I think they're really underrated uh, too. They're not names I would associate with like big like A list. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why they work so well in the first Jurassic Park. I mean, Spielberg was smart not to like cast like Tom Cruise and Jodie Foster in Jurassic Park. He went for like the best actors appropriate for those parts because the dinosaurs were the at the end. But they were so believable as you know the skeptic, the guy that wants to just rely on digging, his girlfriend, and and the guy all about chaos and and his and his philosophy. It worked there. It worked so well. So, of course, you'd be excited to bring back these people, see them together again. And I got to tell you, they, A, look lost the entire movie. They don't know what movie they're in. And, B, have nothing to do. And then, C, when they do eventually bump into and reunite with the legacy characters, it's so stupid. So stupid. It's not even in like in a cool, clever way that they like meet up. No, it's just like by accident. And they're like, oh, you're Alan Grant. Yeah. It's like, come on, movie. Yeah. And at that, we're like 210 into this thing. And I'm like, end the movie already. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a better plot to this thing instead of, because this becomes a kidnapping movie, almost like a Mission Impossible movie. Yep. Uh, if you've unleashed all these dinosaurs into the wild and they're all, they're running amok, it should be a, like a catch and like, capture retrieval type of film that then lets us globetrot, right? And then we do with them whatever. Put them on a secluded island like they end up doing at the end of this thing. Or um, don't let them run amok, uh, but we need to catch them. That, that kind of writes itself, right? Then it becomes kind of like we need the old experts to help us with the tracking, meeting with the new... Then I buy it. No, they just kind of bump into each other like it doesn't matter at the end. If a herd of gigantosaurs are set free and they are devouring all of the other dinosaurs, that jives more with what the movie opens and that's some sort of humanitarian effort to let life survive. So you bring this team together that are dinosaur experts to corral this group of wild, ultra-carnivorous gigantosaurs or whatever the heck they're called. And that's your movie because then you get the T-Rex Versus the Gigantosaur showdown, which we get, and I have a lot to say about that too. Oh, at the very end? <laughs> oh, with the, with the blind bird dinosaur that somehow is able to use, no, don't get me started on that. We'll yeah, get there later. <laughs> that Yeah, that movie writes itself. And then you're globe trekking and you get to watch this thing attack or these, these ultra hungry dinosaurs attack a bunch of other dinosaurs that maybe we hadn't seen before. And that's where the first one found a lot of legs. Yeah. You got to introduce the audience into a bunch of cool monsters. Mm -hmm. And if this thing is going in the plains of Africa and the, you know, wherever. Yeah. Grasslands of Scotland. And it's just Australia. And they're just wiping out whatever indigenous species are there. And with that is the humans' food sources and the humans. Like just devouring everything in its path. Sure. That's a movie. It is a movie. Yeah. Then we get to go take down these monsters. Mm-hmm. That's not this movie. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it becomes... And then this romantic subplot that they tried to give oh, yeah, Grant yeah, and yeah. Sadler again. It was... They already did it. It, it. It's just too much on top of everything else. She goes and recruits him. Alan, I need your help. I need your expertise. It's been a while. Alan's still, like, struggling to fund his dig sites, which has just been his thing. All the movies that he's been in. One, three in this one. Uh, so he's going to go and she, they got a lead. So they get to 
and it's 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 a lead from Goldblum, right? He's like, come to this place that I'm at. They're doing some stuff here. You might want to investigate. And it becomes a let's expose the truth. It becomes a, all the president's men for Sattler and Grant. And then it becomes a Mission Impossible movie for Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Maisie and, uh, get, gets kidnapped. I mean, there's some, I don't know, Biosyn people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, tracking them. And she's going out because, right, the angsty teenager thing is what she's got. I'm tired of being cooped up. I need to, I need to get out. Mm-hmm. And she gets herself abducted. So she becomes, we got to find Maisie. And so we go on two different paths of this film. And they're both a complete mess. Well, fret not, because we do have a saving grace here. As Maisie is abducted, so is Blue's baby. So now Chris Pratt has to rescue Blue's baby so that he can keep the relationship between him and Blue strong. I got to tell you, that's one thing that I I just have not liked in any of those things, which was really trying to humanize one of these raptors in some sort of like, like he's like a German shepherd. And he's like a police dog or something. And the communication aspect is just, it's it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And they just... What I would like to see in one of these Jurassic Park movies, and this the entire series hasn't had the balls to do this, is just like, just wipe out one of these dinosaurs. Like, take it like a shotgun to a raptor and just blow blow its head. Like, think of like Jaws. Like, we'd have no problem blowing up that shark. Like, why, why, why are we humanizing the raptors and trying to make them the heroes? Are these This is a monster movie. Right. I don't get it. Yeah, no, it's a good point. So... So we get on our way. So I want to talk about something here. I don't know if, if, if you've ever heard of this thing. So before Jurassic World, after Jurassic Park 3, that one performed okay, but not amazing. They really tried to think of how to do a Jurassic Park 4. And the one guy they brought in to do a script, and boy, it is it, is it bonkers, John Sayles. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he's a writer-director. He made a career kind of as a script doctor, too, just kind of touching up. Eight Men Out. Eight Men Out's kind of one of his really great films. But he's he's been around for a while. I think through that Roger Corman, Joe Dante kind of <clears throat> type of film. He wrote a film about something I've always wanted to see, and it's actually in this movie in a throwaway bullshit moment. But I've always wanted to know what would happen if someone retrieved the Barbasol can of dinosaur um, DNA DNA that uh, Nedry had in the first one. It, it, it just, like, got covered in mud. So that's what this script's about, sending, like, this game hunter into Isla Nublar, find the can, and then bring it back to the Swiss Alps in a mansion of sorts to create uh, human hybrid dinosaurs. They essentially plucked a lot of those elements into this series, but... Hmm. I just wanted to bring that up because it sounds completely absurd, but it, it, it goes into a part of the story that I've always wanted to know about is what happened to that Barbasol can. Yeah. I mean, even before The Lost World came out, I kind of feel the way they teased that in the first movie. It was like, that's the sequel, right? Yeah. It's just, they just never touched it. And it's just Campbell Scott's memento that he puts in his bag when he leaves at the end of the movie. <sighs> Weak. Weak. That's weak. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to go first? Do you want to go uh, to uh, Malta or do you want to go to yeah. the Swiss Alps? Let's go to Malta. Oh, God. Uh, so they, they find their way. How do, how do they get here, actually? Do you remember? No. <laughs> don't remember either. I will say this. It's got to be an hour into the movie. And at this point, an hour into the film, we've had exactly one sighting of dinosaurs, which is the rescue attempt that uh, Bryce Dallas Howard pulls off at the beginning. Instead, we're just dicking around with nothing having to do with dinosaurs. 
this is how they get to Malta. The the one guy uh, that was in the raid at the the beginning, he's working for the CIA now, right? Remember? Oh yeah, that's right. Because he's had it with <laughs> mm-hmm. this pro bono nonprofit work. He gives them the lead to the contact of Malta. That's right. That's right. We think you saw your daughter. You might want to look into him and all this. Whatever the hell's going on in Malta here, there's like some sort of underground opium. The cantina for dinosaurs. Opium den of dinosaurs? Yeah, what's going on here? I mean, they're like having dinosaurs fight each other. They're like, I've always wanted to see someone like eat a dinosaur. (laughs) Two things with that that you just brought up. This was one of my other large issues with this film. The graphic design and the special effects in this cantina where they're black marketing these dinosaurs is so animated drawn it looks terrible not only is the volume of the monsters very one-dimensional but the colors off and there is almost like a paste like pop-up doll sticky effect on the screen it looks like shit they've gotten worse uh, as the films have gone on We'll, we'll do the original jp one of these days i think that'd be a good episode but the brilliance of that is the hybrid of an actual animatronic puppet and very sparse CGI. Yeah. It, it blends in so that you just, you just get sucked into it and you're like, I believe it here. Everything looks like a cartoon yeah. and th- they've tried to make them more realistic as the series has gone on with feathers and more realistic colors. Like who cares? Make it a Brown dinosaur. Right. <laughs> like, what, just, what does it matter? You don't need to add color into it. Yeah. You're right. They, this, they look ridiculous. I think they look ridiculous the whole movie. Yeah. They're very, very Gig- poor design in the Gigasaurus or whatever at the end. Mm-hmm. Gigasaurus, uh, that's his name, not Gigantosaurus. Same thing. Really? <laughs> I don't even think that's a real dinosaur. No. And that's the other problem with these series too, uh, this new one, or these new new ones. I can't, I can't tell you left from right what the names of these things are because they keep creating new things. I can tell you every dinosaur that's in that original, the Dilophosaurus and the T-Rex and the Velociraptor and the... What's the one with the fans on the side? That's the Dilophosaurus oh, yeah. who makes a stunning reemergence in this series. Mm-hmm. The Gallimimus, like, you, you know because they're really good about telling you what that is. Here, who, who the hell knows what these things are? Right. I guess they're raptors. But you have this bartering den. Yeah, the cantina, that's very well put. Uh, it's Yeah, it's... it's uh... <laughs> Greedo's working with uh, IG-88 to move a raptor from uh, <laughs> Hoth to Dagobah. So this character that they run into, I don't remember his name, but he was Chris Pratt's buddy uh, raptor handler in the first Jurassic World. He's doing some sort of research out here in Malta, but he's kind of gives him the lead. Yeah, we saw, we think we saw uh, your girl, and they, they they catch him right, and it's it's this thing, and the the girl's already on a plane to Biosyn, but we can catch her maybe in time. And then it's the pilot with the heart of gold, right? I mean, she changes. We'll look up her name. Uh, here in a second, but the one thing they introduce here is, uh, and it was in the introduced in the last movie, this laser beam that like makes you like a uh. target for the raptor. Yeah, they really want to weaponize these raptors, like they really want to make them soldiers and go fight on the front lines. But like, this is just this is absurdity with what they do with these things. At the end of the day, this is something this franchise fails to acknowledge, and it's what gives humans the singular advantage over the dinosaurs? The size of their brain pans. Most dinosaurs, depending on size, have a walnut to a baseball-sized brain capacity stuffed in that cranium. You can't tell me, and even if velociraptors are quote-unquote the smartest, they're still stupid. Well, Blue, 
according to this series, is the smartest thing on the planet because of its ability to do whatever it Did does. he escape from the labs in Deep Blue Sea? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, where's Thomas Jane to wrangle this guy? Exactly. Maybe that's the crossover we need. So this, this strange um, middleman who's serving as the fiduciary party to move Raptor A to party C and she's B has the ability to shine a laser on the intended target that the Velociraptor will then recognize and balls out go attack. Not her though, because these very, very simple creatures, which are simply consume and make new babies are smart enough now to temper who they attack in this from a laser beam. Yeah. In this cantina with all of this fresh, warm mammal meat, those velociraptors are having a field day, Jesse. Yeah. But nope, it's this little red laser pointer that sets these raptors on a collision course with our would-be heroes. And here's the other thing, too. Yeah. What part of you thinks not only is a velociraptor smart enough to follow a laser pointer, but then also smart enough on foot to run down a rice rocket? We're going like speedy ass dirt bites that probably go 120 quicker than you and I can say boo. And these velociraptors are outrunning them. Yeah, man, they're like bullshit. Like, what? What does a cheetah run at? Like 32 miles per hour, I think. I this is 70, but okay, still, that's nothing for those motorcycles. Yeah, they, these things are like. Yeah, these raptors have like are just like it's the Flash. Yeah, the, the smart <laughs> dinosaur Flash. I gotta tell you this too, man. It's stupid. This, this is so dumb. This action is just—it's so one-dimensional too. I mean, it's, yeah. it's Pratt on a on a bike, give and chase. Didn't you feel like you're watching a Bond film, like through the streets of some Chicatera in Italy, facing you know a poorly made Bond yeah. film? Yeah. yeah, like there's the, the the opening of No Time to Die there in. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember that. That's a, that's a pretty good little action bit compared to this. Oh my yeah. god, this is horrific. And then it got ridiculous. I mean. There's a Bryce Dallas Howard is like kind of dipping and diving in between like these like apartment buildings and the Raptors like trying to break the door down like Jack Torrance. Yeah. And then she's just like on the rooftops of Malta do Bryce Dallas Howard be killed instantly. Uh, Get out of here. I mean, this is just preposterous. And then so the pilot agrees to to help them out a little bit. You take all of that just garbage and compare that to the Tyrannosaurpatic scene in the first movie. Simple, contained, reactionary, yep. visually interesting, no music, and it's one of the best scenes like in a blockbuster. Mm -hmm. This is trash horseshit. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and it's and the way it ends too is like the race to the airport because the, this pilot, I just looked up her name. Hang on a second. Uh because she's going to become a vital part of this team, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Kayla Watts, former Air Force pilot, and her and Pratt are going to bond because she's Air Force and he's... <laughs> <laughs> Gets in the plane. They're on the runway. Pratt's, like, hauling ass there and, like, shoots into this into this thing in the, the back of the hangar as, like, the Raptors are, like, leaping in midair. Ugh. Horrible. It, only to just learn that, like, the girl's already a Biosyn people. I, I, I'm just speechless. It's just like, I, I haven't seen this much ineptitude in a long time. So I have to tell you something. Okay. <laughs> we saw this movie with myself, my wife, my daughter, and my father-in-law. And at the scene you're talking about right now, my daughter was sitting next to me, who's nine. So let's not, this is not discerning high demand in their entertainment action bits, right? She likes 
big explosions and fast cars like little all little kids do. Yeah. Literally leans over me, grabs my arm, and goes, Dad, can we go get some more popcorn? I'm like, you want to get some more popcorn right now? She goes, yeah, this is really boring. <laughs> yeah. She was asleep 20 minutes later. Yeah, it is. I believe she really was. She was asleep 20 because she drilling, she's drilling on my arm. I believe it. It's just, it's so uninteresting. And, and if we had characters we cared about, that's one thing. We don't care about any of these people. We don't care about the dinosaurs anymore. We don't care about this locust plot. That we are in the we are in the the dregs right now. Well, let me ask you a question then. Okay, you've identified the three big sins of this movie as I see it. Okay, the callback to characters that are now um, Jurassic Park meets Geritol Park. Okay, <laughs> wooden, right? Yeah, and lost as you would say. Sure, that's sin number one. Yep. Number two is really uninspired action sequences. That's sin number two. Yep. Sin number three is very poor visual design. Yeah. Which of those three is the biggest sin? I don't mean personally, but like you think about the context of this film, which one of those is the biggest can't miss? It's got to be the third one, right? It's got to look cool. It has to look cool, but the, I think they all really matter. Yeah, no, I do too. Uh, it's just uh, crazy that they swung and miss on all three of those, right? Uh, oh my God, this is took three or no, O2 fastball right up the pipe at 95 miles an hour. Don't even move the bat. Like, you fucking struck the fuck out. No, they they, they they swung the bat, and in some, like, Disney baseball movie, they swung it around and hit themselves on the head with the bat. Give themselves a hernia? <laughs> yeah, it's just... Yeah, they, they missed on all... I, mean, I might say, you know, the interesting action bits. Uh, I remember... From the first of uh, the Jurassic World, I, I really remember the when all the, the flying ones get unleashed on the park and you know, they pick up the, the British uh, mm-hmm. babysitter and drop her in with the, the thing, just total regard, lack of regard for human life. I at least kind of remember that a little yeah. bit. And I just, yeah. w- I've watched it recently, but like here, I, I'm not thinking of like, Oh man, do you remember that scene in Malta? Heart, heart stopping. That's a good point, Jesse, right? I, that movie was bad. The last one before this, mm-hmm. but the, pterodactyls or whatever those were swooping down and attacking the people and picking them up. That was at least a new iteration of this. Sure. Velociraptors running down motorbikes is so tired and played out and unbelievable. I bet you remember the kitchen bit from the first one. Absolutely. With the raptors chasing him down in there. Yes. So simple. Cause you know, like I really like that first JP because it kind of was, it was Spielberg leaning into jaws a little bit more. Right. A little scary, right? Yep. And but enough dip a toe in, but like it's still kind of like a fun adventure. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the hell we're doing now. I mean, we're closer to Fast and the Furious territory than any other franchise. Even those wheeling roller drivable balls that they're running down the <laughs> hillside with the monsters, the dinosaurs in the stampede, even that's more memorable than this. Yeah, and that was oh, stupid. yeah, I'll, that was I'll, stupid I'll give too. you that. Yeah. The gyrospheres. <laughs> Is that what they're called? Yes. And okay. Jimmy Fallon's like Talking to them in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so, <laughs> do we agree that the visual one is the first one, and then maybe the action two, and then the characters three, but those three. are all three huge misses? They're all three huge. They're all really close in my book, and it's all a miss. <laughs> yeah, we're we're in supreme rocket territory right now, and we're, we're halfway through the movie. <laughs> That's, yeah. 245? 230, I think. God, it felt, it felt every bit of 315. First JP, two hours and five minutes. In and out, kick and dirty. Movies need to be that. This new Thor, uh, I think it's an hour and 56 minutes. Beautiful. I I ain't mad at that. (laughs) Yeah, more of that, please. 
Let's get to the Swips Alps here because, okay, so Ali Sattler and Alan Grant are coming in here to follow up a lead on these this locust infestation. They what? show up here what? at, yeah, Biosyn is, I guess, the new engine. <laughs> so one of the cool, have you ever read the Crichton book? Uh-uh. It's actually a really great read. One of Crichton's, I think, great strengths as an author was really making you believe, like, what you were reading, like, and he's like, yeah, I think the guy writes it in a way like, yeah, they could probably bring dinosaurs back to life. And even Timeline, which is a shit movie with Paul Walker, the book is like, you know what? I think time travel might be possible. Mm. He's a very scientific writer. He created ER, I mean, a lot of uh, disclosure and yeah. all these like very technologic Congo, Congo yeah, sphere man. and all those. Uh, where was I going with this? One of the, the kind of aspects that kind of got left out of the original film and it's in there a little bit with the character they're about to bring back is this rivalry to gain secrets from engine and what they've done at the park. Uh, it's, it's really big in the book. It's, it's this other company that wants to get this uh, up on the ground, this park uh, going before JP and they just need the secrets from Nedry and they're willing to pay him off. Uh, and that was Dodgson. So here, I guess they've become after all the failings of Jurassic world and everything, the Supreme, genetic scientists in the world i don't know what they're really really doing here other than really kind of fiddling around with nature i do have to say here okay campbell scott last time we talked about him amazing spider-man 2 terrible movie mm -hmm. uh and an interesting character he uh lewis dodgson was in the original jurassic park with with uh newman dodgson we got dodgson here you know wait to hear this nugget the original actor could never come back because that guy's a registered sex offender now. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, he wow. like went to prison. I think he's in prison right now for, yeah, uh, really disgusting stuff. So we got to cast a new guy. In comes Campbell Scott. You spoke kind of highly of him in the Amazing Spider-Man 2 episode as an actor. Take it back. <laughs> Take it back. Oh, he's horrible in this thing. Look, man, singles was a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um. For as much as we talk about the exorcism of Emily Rose, that was also a really long time I ago. I forgot he was in that. Yeah, you're right. This, of all the performances in this film, might be the worst. Oh, absolutely. He is terrible. I love the temper tantrum that he throws a little bit later on when he starts just shaking his fist aimlessly in the air. Yeah. And it almost feels like he's maybe mad, but he's almost just having like, uh, you know, like one of those twitches you get when you sleep, when you fall asleep and your arm twitches. <laughs> Somewhere between those two. What's really bad about him is I, I just don't understand the character. No. He plays privy to what Grant and Sadler are doing here. And the way that they portray him is that, like, he's kind of got, like, a, a step up on, on on them and willing to lead them into a trap, right? Why don't you go take them on the tour and let see, like, almost like he wants them to get caught doing something bad. But then when it happens and they, they we find out they've done something bad, he seems as shocked as anybody. This is the dumbest person in the room. I, I I don't understand the characterization of bringing back another character whose name we do recognize from the original movie doing God knows what to care. We don't care. And he sucks at it. This is a bad, this is one of the worst villains I've seen in a movie in quite a long time. And would you say he's the, uh, the antagonist of the film? Yeah. He has to be. Biosyn's plan is to create these locusts that devour any plants except Biosyn's genetically engineered plants. So Monsanto in Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park world, right? Monsanto locust proof <laughs> crops. So stupid. 
stupid. Because man. they want to dominate the world's food supply. Oh my god. So let me. Okay, that's that's his ultimate goal. Not dinosaurs. Yeah. Not make a cool amusement park. The world's food supply. <sighs> so with that being said, mm-hmm. why does Maisie matter to him? Why does she matter? They want like the secrets of like her DNA uh, cell structure. Because they want to start making genetically engineered humans that don't have to eat their modified food because there's no money. And to the larger <laughs> whole, this is the other point that I wanted to make. What this movie fails to neglect is a very, very simple concept, Jesse. Okay. If the world's food supply is in such terrible, terrible shape, did anybody not think that there is thousands upon thousands upon thousands of pounds of new walking meat all over the earth that we can consume. I'm pretty sure a T-Rex would feed a family of four for about 16 years. That's what I was saying. I was like, I was like a smoke Bronto rib. I would bet would probably be pretty good. (laughs) Who gives a shit about wheat? We have 16 million dinosaurs on the earth. There's, there is no food shortage. It may change. Yeah. But fuck, if it's eat some wheat or some Bronto, I'm going to have some Bronto. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a Bronto. What burger. in the hell are, like, what? As far as I know, I don't Shit, know. Bill Gates is around. He'd probably have you eat the locusts. He doesn't care about that. He'd eat the bugs. I don't know. Too. I don't know what Hodgson wants the little girl for. I know Wu wants right. the girl because he wants to undo the horrible locust plague that he's set upon the world to redeem him. <sighs> oh, Okay, well, I didn't know that, but the question then is, how and why, and do we care? <laughs> You're going to look at the DNA structure of the girl who is the clone of the woman who produced her by herself to figure out how to destroy these locusts? I have an idea. Fucking burn them. Yeah. Or take these dinosaurs yeah. and unleash the dinosaurs on the locusts. They'd love to eat them. Yeah, shine a laser on the locusts. There you go. <laughs> what? 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 Let's talk about the moment you just mentioned because it was the biggest oh. it was the biggest mouth agape moment and I audibly <laughs> laughed in the theater. Maybe I did too. Maisie, they bring her back to the lab here and she doesn't know why she's being held, but she and Beta's the name of Blue's Little. She named it uh the little baby raptor. She's watching these old video diaries of JP Park back in 1986, and it's her mom uh talking and oh look how I nurture the dinosaurs and everything. <laughs> We find out, ladies and gentlemen, not only is Maisie a clone, but she was a clone that was uh, gestated in her own self. How do I... Is that that right? Yes. Yes. So Lockwood's daughter, who we thought died... No, she she died later. Carried her own clone to term, Mm -hmm. birthed it, nursed it... (laughs) God. And then died? Oh, oh man, what kind of David Lynchian weirdness are we in here now, man? Yeah. I thought this was a movie about dinosaurs. Exactly. Exactly. That's horrific. We're and, starting how to play not, with- and how do you not laugh? You you can't. Didn't they follow any of what Ridley Scott did to Alien later on and how that cloning stuff, no one buys oh, it? Oh, yeah, Covenant and all that nonsense. Yeah. So here we go again. And this isn't even a cool alien. This is just a, a hu- shitty, stupid human. I couldn't believe. I, I couldn't just, either. I was like, I, that, suspension of disbelief because of a movie about dinosaurs, but oh my gosh, we can only go so far. Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, <laughs> I I laughed. I was just, I, I couldn't believe. Uh, you're really doubling down on the human clone thing, first of all. And B.D. Wong with this ridiculous hairpiece that he, he has over here, who really, like I said, capital B villain in the last two films. He has created all these hybrid things that have killed 
bunch of people in the top 10 lists of mass murders in history. It's going to be like Hit- Hitler, Himmler, and uh, Dr. Henry Wu, man. Uh, this is awful. But at that, the 11th hour in this film, they try to like... Save him. And they do. Show him remorseful. And that scene with him with the locusts and the oh. field man. Oh, man, that was... That was bad. Yeah. Oh, uh, was I couldn't that bad by then I'm like completely checked out. Yep. But <laughs> Grant, okay, yeah. Grant and Sadler come and Malcolm's doing like his chaos theory speech to all these people. And he was always like the rock star uh mathematician. So he always kind of had that vibe. Um, but man, even Jeff Goldblum here, he even even looks a little lost. Even the Ian Malcolm shtick looks a little bit played out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, how did, how did they not have anything for these characters to do? The characters that people have loved for for years, portrayed by these actors, when they're together, there's no magic there at all. I can't believe it. Nope. The scene with uh, uh, Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise carries way more weight. And Kilmer doesn't even speak in that scene. <laughs> when you get that... Uh, so somehow in all of this that's going on, Ian Malcolm has found a gig working for Biosyn, which that doesn't even make sense either Mm -hmm. because he doesn't believe in what Biosyn is doing. And in fact, if you think about what Biosyn is doing, the speeches he's giving are actually in direct opposition of who his employer are or is. So we walk in and Sadler and Grant are privy to the same Ian Malcolm speech that we've heard 15 times before because they can't even give him interesting dialogue because he's so thrown away. It's not even Goldblum's fault. He's giving the same chaos speech, as you said, mm-hmm. again. Hollow, shallow, played out, no depth. And they are so smitten with what he has to say. And we're supposed to rejoice at this reunion of these three. And like I said, we've got to be hour 20, hour 30 into it at this point, if if even that early. It might be later. Yeah. <sighs> we then find out, and the other thing that I thought was the most interesting in all this was watching Goldblum and Dern together again. I wonder how those two were on set, because they were a couple. Yeah, after, was it around the time of Jurassic Park? 93-ish? So I was kind of curious to see like how they would play off each other in this movie, because they had a, kind of an ugly breakup. Yeah. Because Jeff Goldblum was quite the Lothario, supposedly. <laughs> talked about that in the fly right? anyway um i thought that was pretty interesting but it didn't come to any any significance in the movie yeah it looked like there could have been a love triangle between the three of them like the unrequited <laughs> love that got away and then goldblum who's always like yeah i've had six wives <laughs> yeah. whatever no it goes nowhere he does though give her one really important piece of uh evidence and it's a key card i think that allows her access into the nether regions of yeah, biosyn right. mm-hmm. floor six and below yeah what this is dude yeah and then like this Laurel, is american hustle yeah i've got a wire levels of we don't even care just get her in there somehow yeah, and then like laurel and hardy these two stumble around this uh restricted section just have no clue what they're doing and, and then stuck they, in a locust cave or locust um bin and that's just it's just just stupid yeah but they, to be rescued by Maisie ultimately yeah and then so that they end up kind of taking her under their wing uh and uh Come with us as we try to escape. She knows exactly who they are, though. I mean, she rattles them off by name. I have to remind everyone, as all this is going on, we have yet to, other than the scene in Malta and the rescue scene at the beginning, have any dinosaur action in this film at all. Yeah, It's 90 minutes in, and there has maybe been seven minutes of dinosaur versus human action. 
We're about to get some here with uh, yeah. <laughs> Is this so, the ice thing? Yeah, so they're flying into yeah, what is this? with this yeah, this bomber plane with a Ket- oh, this is the real name. This is a, a Quetzalcoatlus attack. Dude, it's it's a pterodactyl. Yeah. <laughs> uh on the plane they unleash uh or Claire Bryce Dallas Howard leaves the plane in a parachute seat. I don't know how she wasn't killed in midair with these things swooping down on her. The plane crashes on the ice. Claire's off in the middle of the jungle having to survive and stick her and submerge herself into an amoeba-filled pond of still water. Disgusting. And then that's where we get that uh, blind beak dinosaur, right? With the claws? Yep. I don't even know if that was a real thing, but sure, why not? And then, yeah, uh, this battle on the ice, and we're going to fight this winged raptor-esque dinosaur with the knife and a stun gun. Okay. (laughs) Good luck. (sighs) Now, this gets into the problem that the other films have suffered from, is you create such preposterously large and powerful dinosaurs that they become almost a parody of what dinosaurs are. You don't need to have this bird dinosaur that can fly itself through the ice and then swim faster than the fastest sub. Because... The dinosaur in itself is just enough. Just give me a cool dinosaur. And actually, you know, it's really smart. Mm-hmm. Why don't you run away from the dinosaur to the ice? Yeah. Because I bet that thing, being that dinosaurs mostly don't like, here it is, cold, is ill-prepared. Like 10 tons. <laughs> ill-prepared to chase you across the ice. Yeah. So while you're slipping and sliding about, so is it. And we watch this thing go underneath and then you get a cool thing where it's trying to swim and chew up through the bottom of the ice. That could, that could work. Instead you get a dinosaur, I guess <laughs> it's all too comfortable flying, swimming and devouring. Yeah. It has no rules, right? None. It has no weakness. It thrives in all environments. And you've got a, a Bowie knife and a stun gun. <laughs> <laughs> this okay. is Batman on the corner of the building shooting his battering at uh, Doomsday. Oh levels. my God. Levels of ineffectiveness. Nice pool. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, I, this this problem all started in the first world with the creation of the Indominus Rex, which was a T-Rex mixed with some other sort of hybrid bullshit. Genghis Khan, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but he he could cloak himself. He was invisible. He oh. could blend in with the environment. He was, yeah, it was just like, why? just give us the T-Rex, man. Don't mess around with it. The predator is the predator. Leave the predator to the predator. This is not the predator. These are dinosaurs. Mm. And you know the thing about this, this, this should work. But I'm just so rolling my eyes oh, in yeah. disbelief of like, God, can, can a single writer, editor, director, exec make one good decision on this franchise that I think is in worse shape than Alien is right now. Oh. The, mm. the, the, the numbers won't tell you that because this film is just gangbusters, right? And I think that infuriates me more than anything. Did it clean house this weekend or uh, last weekend? It, it did. Not as much as the first one did, but enough. Like, I mean, are we balking at a $140 million opening? No, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absurdity. Yeah, dude, my audience was clapping and ours. Mine was too. Oh man, I was I was just like, and I I can't. I was like, I can't believe people. Okay, so can I tell you the part that really killed me? Go ahead. Spoiler alert, everybody. Yeah. Grant and Sadler decide to get together and stay together, and Grant's line to Sadler is, "Ellie, this time 
I'm going to stay with you. My audience lost their really? ever-loving minds. Oh, God. And I just thought, have you all never been to a movie before? Are you, is it just such a great experience? I sound like a total hater right now. No. But that is eye-roll chagrin-worthy. No, that's not a clapping moment. No. <laughs> I, I just thought, are you all really this happy with this film? Uh, me too. My thoughts exactly. Come on. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Two questions I have for you, and one's going to... is kind of has nothing to do with this movie but i just want i want your thoughts because i came up with it colin trevorrow this director so he did the first world another guy did part two and then he came back for this one is first world the second one in the franchise i don't even no it's jurassic world jurassic world fallen kingdom and then dominion now so he did the first one and the second one was done by another guy okay i think it was the guy that directed the orphanage actually which what the hell yeah (laughs) um Trevor was supposed to do episode nine, Rise of Skywalker, before he leftover created differences. Episode mm. nine's bad with Abrams. Yeah. Man, if Trevor's in there, is this movie worse? Is that movie worse? I would say yes. I don't think this guy should touch a movie with more than a $30 million budget. You know, you bring up a good point. Maybe he's out of his wheelhouse. Maybe something that's a little bit more tight and character-driven might be where he's good because I think giving him this fertile playground and this many pieces of equipment... Is this causing this poor guy to lose himself on the playground? He just needs a tetherball. He cut his teeth on kind of like the indie films, and I don't know how Spielberg was like, Jurassic World, that guy. I don't know how that worked How out. indie are we talking? Like, we're talking like, not brick, but like along those kind of levels? A little bit. A little bit, maybe a little bit bigger than brick. It's a movie called Safety Not Guaranteed with uh, one of the Duplass brothers, Aubrey Plaza and Jake Johnson. Mm. Uh, it's a pretty okay, it's an okay movie, uh, <laughs> but it's be, no better than this. Are we making a comparison in some regards to like how did Mark Webb ever get Spider Man? Oh, kind of oh, along those lines. Same, is it the same, same thing? situation? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If J.J. Abrams can't save this Titanic from sinking, then this dude has no shot. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Right. That could have been. Yeah. A complete nightmare. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Second part of the question. I, I thought of this because you know. We had Top Gun Maverick. We both really liked it. We rode really high on that. And that was kind of a good example of bringing back these characters and repurposing them in kind of a better way. Of these three properties, which do you Ooh. think handles this the best? Okay. Top Gun Maverick, the Creed series, oh. or Cobra Kai? Boy, that is a great question. I think I have my answer. Top Gun, Creed, or Cobra Kai? Oh, boy. Creed at one barely, Cobra Kai two, Top Gun number three, and that is no slight to Top Gun. Yeah, it's just two entries and maybe not as. I don't love the original property as much as I love the original properties for those first two. Mm-hmm. So Creed one, Cobra Kai one B, and Maverick a solid, solid two. Okay, how about you? I think Cobra Kai one one yeah. I think you know of all the three franchises, I think maybe. We think the littlest of the Karate Kid series yeah. and th- their ability to completely reinvent all those characters and in new and exciting and fresh ways. And of course, it's a series, so they have more room to play with that. Um, but I just thought of that. I mean, those are good examples of this idea of what they're trying to do in this film. Yeah. Uh, and this film has egg all over its face. Those ones are really good. I think we get, what are we getting? Cobra Kai 5 in July or August, I think. Is that soon? I can't wait. I mean, that's probably going to be really good. Uh, totally divert you here for a minute. Okay. Are you uh, still out on Obi-Wan? It's kind of been a big uh, just a couple of weeks for television stuff. I mean, there's Miss Marvel, Stranger Things is floating around out there, and Obi-Wan. 
I gotta tell you, Obi-Wan kind of got off to like a slow start for me with all the stuff with baby Leia and whatever. But him and the stuff with Vader that they're kind of doing, I'm kind of okay with it. Uh, I've I've actually kind of liked the last couple episodes. It's not my favorite thing of television, but I'm not hating it either. We stopped at three and haven't gone back to that. We already finished Stranger Things. I didn't love that. Yeah. Um, We will get to Obi-Wan, but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I I read some stuff about four and then five also, and I thought, oh boy, this sounds really bad. Well, with four and five, they're doing an interesting thing by kind of trying to bring the prequels back into it more than any of the other shows. And we know how derived the prequels are. And it's kind of working for me in a, in a in a strange little way. I mean, they're they're really getting into a thing of like, man, does Vader have like feelings like this relationship with this assumably brother, right? Yeah. Does he remember and feel and have and have these kind of harboring feelings with him? And like, and that's what I want them to dig into more. You, do you have a way to hu- when you say feelings, you mean like romantic? No, 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 no. Just like oh. like feeling bad about oh. like the path you remorse. went down. Yeah, remorse. Okay, and that's a different path for Vader, who was just like sure. supreme bad guy. I'm curious to see because there's one episode left. How they wrap that all together, but so far I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with it. And you're not going to do Miss Marvel, are you? Yeah, I watched episodes one and two. Yeah, and I don't hate it. Okay, yeah, that's a pretty strong vote for you from the Marvel stuff lately because that stuff's been pretty bad. In terms of like a visual flair, it's very different than any of the other shows that they've done. The interesting part about it, there's not really a villain in the show, uh, so I kind of don't know where it's going, but. Maybe the flag smashers will show up. <laughs> they might. Okay. That, anyway, I thought about I thought about that question this week, and I great was question. Like, you could can't go wrong with any of those three. The Creed series is great. Cobra Kai is great. Go watch Top Gun. I think they get top shelf rate ratings from all of us. So. Sure. Yeah. Good. I'll give you that one. Thank you. All right. Back to this. Uh, oh, so, no. <laughs> get to the third act already. Yeah, I, I think we're in it. Uh, kind of. Uh, so Sattler, Grant, and Maisie are trying to escape from Biosyn through this underground tunnel system. <laughs> Campbell Scott's freaking out back at home base because he's been duped. Yep. <laughs> the dumbest guy in the room. Uh, uh, Goldblum's been fired because he gave them the thing. So I thought maybe a more, you know, why don't you go shoot Goldblum out in the thing? Well, how far is your villainy willing to go? Not very far because he just gets to walk out of the place. With all of the knowledge that he has, there's no yeah, way yeah, yeah, right. he would be Raptor food number one. You're fired. Make sure he takes only his belongings and escort him out. Says the guy who's about to kill Maisie, Grant, and Sadler by turning off the shuttle that gets them out. What? Yeah, the monorail system. Yeah, yeah. How would you like, yeah, Goldblum just walk away? Hey, step <sighs> on that platform. <laughs> there's an Indominus Rex below right. you. Pratt and uh, Alicia, <laughs> I don't know, the Air Force buddy, they're traversing the jungle hoping to find Claire. And then they find Claire, they all meet up at like these like tree compounds. I don't even know what they're what, what those are for, or what they're for, observing the dinosaurs. I think, it's, I think it's indoor. A little bit, yeah. I don't know what, the, what, what Biosyn's doing with the dinosaurs <laughs> or why they care that they have them here in the first place. No. But... In the well, ca- there. I will say one thing. Go ahead. There's been a couple lines about talking about crossbreeding human and and <laughs> dinosaur DNA. They have talked. There's been like some throwaway. So maybe that's what. Oh, we're close, right? This series needs to end before we get there, right? Oh my god. John Sales went into that. I in know. His, he had like a human humanoid dinosaur 
Hunter. Come on. That's just Predator, though, right? That is just Predator. Gross. Uh, <laughs> Gross. So th- there's kind of a spooky action bit here in the cave with these Komodo dragon-looking fin things. I can't even tell you the name of it because the film doesn't even bother to tell us what these are. Diplodocus. <laughs> Probably. Uh, which are animal, which are plant-eating, by the way. Are they? Yep. <laughs> Goldblum saves them just in the nick of time, but it's really the guy up at the base who puts the code in to let them out. Uh, and, and that guy's working for some... Yeah, some human, humanitarian uh, pro-dino movement, right? Yes. Because he, he is okay with them stealing the locust data, and then he saves them again, and he becomes part of the team. Yeah, whatever. And so finally, we've got everyone in the Jeep here. Claire and Pratt and all of them are at this thing. So this is the moment where they all meet up, right? Right. And it's in front of Gigantosaurus or Gigasaurus or whatever. Terrible name for a dinosaur. And... Again, the need to go bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, Grant says this is the biggest carnivore the world's ever seen. Who cares? Give us the the Rex. Right. That's That's, all you need. That's all we want to see. And then what I don't understand in this scene is they seem to be kind of hiding behind the car. But the Gigasaurus can clearly see them. So is this Gigasaurus then so calculating that he likes to stalk and tease his prey before he devours them? Because I don't see... That thing doing anything except open up those jaws, inserting human and swallowing. It's part of the pro- the film's problem with not establishing any any rules. I mean, the first film's really genius by Grant saying a few times, "Don't move." The T Rex's vision is based on movement. Whether it's real or not, we take it as gospel. And so, if we stay still, maybe we have a chance here. Yeah, right. we, we don't know. We're just running for our lives right. at this point. Goldblum tries to make like a sacrifice, kind of like he did in the 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 original film. But they all just kind of end up in this compound. The thing chomps in and around at them. And I kind of thought the movie was over. I did too. I was like, we got Maisie. We're all together. Let's get out of this place. Oh, no. We have yet to have the burning grenade locust bit. Yeah. (sighs) Can we just do this real quick? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So after all that stuff that Jesse just went on happens, we get back to Biosyn proper. And Campbell Scott tells whatever that engineer guy destroy the locust because there's going to be a shit storm of, of lawsuits that we're going to have to endure if we don't, you know, cleanse our hands of these. So in this holding compartment that must have, I don't know, 6 million locusts in there, you just burn it. And then because there's such an amount of heat accumulated from all of the locusts as they're flying about, it blows the top off of their containment facility to then watch this burning swarm of locusts escape into the night sky and firebomb grenade all unwitting earthbound creatures as some of these locusts and they start burn a, and die and they some start, of them... They start a forest fire too. And then set the, the jungle or the forest on fire. So now we have burning locusts and fire in all of this other that's going on. Well, we got to go get uh, Beta back, right? Because Blue will never forgive us. Oh, I forgot about that part. Yeah. And Goldblum, 
had a, a chagrining line that is so apropos to this film where he says, you made a promise to a dinosaur. Oh my God. The terrible, but he's right. I mean, this is how stupid the movie is. Yeah, yeah. Pratt did promise I'll get blue ba- or a beta back for you. What? Acknowledging that, yeah. What are we doing? Right. That dinosaur, what do you care? I almost wonder if Goldblum just ad-libbed that. He probably did. He also said uh, Jurassic World, not a fan. Yeah, me too, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, this is yeah. So Grant, Maisie, and Pratt are gonna go look for the raptor so we can do some more of this. Hand out, palm. Ellie Sattler and Bryce Dallas Howard are gonna go open the locust doors. I don't even know what they're doing. And then because they run into Doctor Wu at some point, and he was like, "Please take me with you. I'll, I know what to do. I know what to do. I can save everything." And uh, at this road, all roads are culminating in the grand showdown which has got to be campbell scott's character facing off the gigasaur and getting chomped yet no with his little barbasol can in tow mm-hmm. we get the what are they called again dilophosaurus we get the dilophosaurus who i'm not sure we've seen uh, we've seen them once earlier i guess they they were stuck in bryce dallas howard yeah there for in a the while. forest yeah and they spit their mud acid on his face and that's the end of him <laughs> talk about an unjust if i cared death of a kind of insignificant antagonist horrible villain in some tunnel he yeah. gets acided by yeah, the dilophosaurus in the monorail system yeah who cares no i didn't so then i guess at this point it's just escape the island get out of here before the forest burns down kills all the dinosaurs which it doesn't uh and not get killed by the rest of these dinosaurs and i'll tell you the moment that nearly made me leave the theater but it was so close to being over <laughs> So Gigantosaurus is doing uh, battle with the T-Rex. With the, the pe- T-Rex. With, with the, with the T-Rex has it, he's, he's showing up. And he walks in front of like a fountain mm-hmm. with a hole in it. Yeah. And then he like, much like the Tim Burton Batman where the bat wing forms the, 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 the moon. Yeah. The, the T-Rex makes the, the, the logo. Jurassic Park symbol. Oh my God. Jeez. <laughs> oh, stupid. Jeez. Only to then get in a fight, get killed, not be dead, and then him in this bird thing killed Gigantosaurus. If all of that we said is And you not, can't see anything because it's dark as shit. Right, yeah. Yeah. If everything that we've said hasn't dissuaded you, let me give you one more piece to make you not want to see this film if you haven't prior to the podcast. <laughs> These animals that have the brain, can, brain pan capacity of a walnut to a baseball to maybe a grapefruit. Yeah team up so this blind bird thing with sharp tendril like feathers teams up with the t-rex who's already had his dinosaur ass kicked by the gigasaur 15 minutes earlier in the film to the point he was laying on the ground essentially dead (laughs) resurrects himself storms in at the last second to not save the heroes but to let the gigasaur have it and the blind bird dinosaur and the t-rex come up with this coordinated attack that involves pushing the gigasaur into the bird's feather tendrils and stabbing the gigasaur to death. I just want to know one thing. Mm-hmm. When did that bird thing be able to learn how to communicate with the T-Rex? And secondarily, <laughs> how can he even see it? It's blind, right? And so they push the gigasaur on there and then they both rah, scream into the heavens and some primal, we still rule... 
the dinosaur kingdom, which clearly they don't because the humans have flown away on a plane and no, and you're just, at this point, we're just begging for the credits to roll. <laughs> begging. So we got, we got to wrap up everything a little, oh. little tightly, right? So our legacy characters are going to go talk to Congress about, I guess, letting them live in the Swiss Alps or wherever that place was. Yeah. Get them all there, whatever. Grant and, and that, that moment, right, where they embrace Kiss, and the, I guess they're going to be a couple now. <laughs> yeah, that part. So dumb. So dumb. And they're going to go take Beta back to Blue, and they're going to run off into the forest. And I guess those they're going to have a happy life. And Maisie can go do things in public now because Biosyn's destroyed. Uh, but the thing that killed me, man, was this like little mini montage of the Triceratops uh, uh, grazing with the elephants and uh, the Pterodactyls grazing with like some uh, geese or something. That big dinosaur water whale hanging out with the humpback. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, the, the lesson at the end of the day, people, we need to learn to coexist with these things. And eventually they'll learn to be friends. No, they won't. They're going to eat them. I just want to vomit. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. This is how the movie ends in this poignant, stupid montage of things living together. Think, yeah, those one thing's running with the horses or... Yeah, the... Whatever that. With, it's got Iguanodon like, or yeah, whatever Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's got like the helmet thing. No way, man. No way. The good news is because they've worked themselves into all aspects of Animal Kingdom, there's plenty of new things for the poachers to hunt down. <laughs> so we can really fully develop that thread that they've only hinted at through four or five films. We can really, really do the poacher thing in Jurassic Park 7. Right, that's the next one, seven, isn't it? There better not be any more after this, I'll tell you what. Uh, uh, that's why I want to know what the ROI is, because I, if it gets over 300, it's made, they're making another one. No, please no. Uh, yeah, I want a taxidermy velociraptor in my living room. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, this thing finally ends, and yeah, I hope... Yeah, it made it made buck, but I, I really hope that this is the end of Dinosaurs. I mean, it's not special anymore. It it's not doesn't have that, like, that vibe. I mean... In the original Jurassic Park, I mean, they take a good hour and five minutes to show you the T-Rex. It's all this buildup of, like, I want to see this dang thing. I want to see it. And when it does, it blows your socks off. You, you can't believe this monstro A monster. It's a monster movie. It's not an animal movie. Right. And here, we're just so desensitized to seeing all these things. We don't care about which one's which. We don't care about any of the characters. We don't care about the plot. We just want this thing to end. Yeah, yeah there needs to be no more Jurassic Park. After this, I'm the end you. of Jurassic World. Yeah. So, uh, do you have a favorite tasting note of Jurassic World Dominion? <laughs> this should be interesting. Oh. <laughs> this should be interesting. Um, of all of the things that I thought were the most ridiculous uses of dinosaurs for technology has to be the ADS, the aerial defense system that they've set up. Biosyn essentially has a digital net that allows man-made machines to fly in and out of Biosyn airspace. And without those man-made digital nets there, the pterodactyls will attack. And I thought of all of the things that end up also being kind of an important linchpin in that, because that's sort of an issue at the end of the film when they try to escape to, that was so absurdly stupid and such an emblematic moment of, Let's just say it. We really won't show it. It'll just be there, and it gives us a cheap out if we need to use it. That probably was it when they arrived the first times, and they're flying through the air in what's-her-name's cargo plane 
to rescue Maisie from Biosyn or wherever the fuck they were going at that point. I don't even care. I don't even think Maisie was there yet. I don't, who the hell even knows? <laughs> she was, was she there? Yeah. Okay. I guess Grant and Sadler had called him and told him. Oh, no, maybe the Asian chick with the the laser targeting system. That character totally disappears from this movie. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's my crowning achievement is the aerial defense system. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting piece of innovation. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with that line from Goldblum, actually. the You made a promise to a dinosaur. It was so stupid, yet it it was almost the film talking to itself, saying how stupid it was. Yeah. And I, I, I bought it for a second. I think I did chuckle a little bit at that. Yeah. Oh, man, what are we picking for the... Oh, my God! ...moment of this thing. That final showdown with Gigasaur, T-Rex, and Blind Bird thing, this team-up to take down the Gigasaur was so stupid. Yeah. So stupid. It makes you realize why that scene with Bryce Dallas Powered and the amoeba pond was so important because at least we got to introduce another dinosaur. The element that would team up with the T Rex to take down the Gigasaur. It's just. Beakosaurus. You know, because the thing actually is, I think in a lot of the monster movies we've talked about, that's what I've been wanting. I don't want to watch King Kong knock down planes or tanks or jets. I want to watch King Kong really fight Godzilla, not in the fucking middle of, middle of Earth. Oh, hollow Earth. <laughs> But with one of Godzilla's scales used forged into a sword or whatever the hell he did in that. <laughs> yeah, this axe. <laughs> um, yeah, an axe. They finally gave it to us, but it was in such short supply, and I was already so exhausted with the film. That's got to be that oh my god moment. And this is how we're going to kill the Gigasaur is we're going to stab this thing with feathers. <laughs> yeah, or talons, yeah. whatever the hell they were. They're like claw, ring claws, almost. Yeah, yeah. By a blind blind dinosaur yeah okay what's yours good choice uh all that malta nonsense yeah we're doing like parkour with like raptors now <laughs> this, uh, this is just absurd like i couldn't bryce yeah i don't care if bryce dallas howard was like an olympic athlete and she isn't like she would never be able to outrun that raptor she's dead and she has a nice fisticuffs moment too did you know she's such a good fighter <laughs> yeah. she beats the hell out of somebody too yeah Oh, everything that takes place in that moment from the cantina bit with the thing, the laser, and then how they <laughs> they trap a raptor in a box and this guy's got to do this like duck and cover so he doesn't get killed by this dinosaur. Yeah. And then the race to down the airfield, the thing, everything is just ridiculous, like exponentially to the third. Yeah. And it's just, it's not a Jurassic Park movie anymore. It's an action movie. And that's like, that's not what I want in this in this series that was established as like, a monster movie that's borderline, maybe horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's the master distiller on Jurassic World Dominion? I don't know if I can give it to anybody. I'm going to pass, okay? Mm-hmm. I like Goldblum. It was kind of fun to see Goldblum in something, but, you know, I, I can't even do him. Okay. I'm going to say, you know... Uh, not the biggest fan of Chris Pratt just because like the guy's like in like every movie now and doing every voice acting. So I'm just like a little Chris Pratt, like exhausted. Mm-hmm. He wasn't terrible in this movie, like acting wise. I mean, his character still makes just like no sense. Okay. I'll give you that. And him and Bryce, I don't think they have any chemistry together, but he wasn't terrible. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll swing that way a little bit. Okay. I can, I can get there with that. How are we going to rate and grade Jurassic World Dominion? We have Rocket, Well, Call, Single Barrel, and Top Shelf. Of course, named after all the different types of whiskeys we have. Where are you going for this one? 
Rot Gut. Of all the films that we've watched that involve monsters, and we've killed a lot of them all the way back to Godzilla, yeah, this is the worst. Uh, I haven't said it in a few weeks, and I mean it. If it hadn't been for the podcast, we would have walked out. We really would have walked out. <laughs> my poor daughter was asleep. Um, I was looking at my watch every five seconds, just yeah, ready to hit, begging for the door. Rough. Yep. It's terrible. I hated it. And I also hated it that it got the warm, friendly applause that it did oh, a couple times. The, that the, pissed me off, too. Cherry on top, right? That's me, though. Like, I shouldn't hate other people liking this movie, but I just... I, no, I, I do. I don't see how you can possibly look at this film and go, oh, yeah. It wasn't even entertaining. And that's what's killing me about monster movies. Yeah. You don't have... If you don't want to go super smart script where things make sense in A plus B and subtext, and like, if you fine. At least make a movie that's entertaining. And... From this to Kong to Godzilla to Mutu to all of that monster shit that we've covered on this film, with the exception of the Godzilla cask that we did where there were two pretty strong entries in there. Just destroy ya. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm befuddled. Yeah, me too. At how you can't just make an entertaining film. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. I want to bring this up too because I know this is a genre that you're not quite friends with, which is the man versus nature film. part of it. Recently, I rewatched Twister with Bill Paxton, and Helen yeah. Hunt. I gotta tell you, that's a, that's a screenplay by Michael Crichton and his wife, Anne Marie Martin. It's a pretty solid screenplay with competing storm chasing teams and there's actual arcs for the characters and it's just that their antagonist is this like unpredictable beast that actually increases with f5 1 2 3 and 4 as the film goes on so it actually has like an arc in itself yeah kind of a smartly written movie for blockbuster uh nonsense fair okay compared to this man yeah oh man so that's important that you brought that up because yeah. man versus nature is not my favorite thing mm-hmm. um the thing I think that dinosaurs do offer is it's not the tornado or the hurricane. At least there is a face. Yeah, yeah. face and um, personification sort of in there. But that being said, I will never watch this movie again. And I think I'm at a point, even if there is Jurassic Park 7, I won't see it. Yeah. I'm, I'm just out. We'll do, we won't do it. <laughs> even though we will. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pure trash. This oh, is awful, God. awful raw gut. Yeah. Ready for this? Okay. Yeah. Rock gut. Yeah. This is the worst summer blockbuster since Suicide Squad. Ooh. This yeah. is bad people. This is at a horrible time watching it. I questioned every filmmaking decision. <laughs> I hated seeing the characters that I used to love. Yeah. I just wanted it to end. It was too long. I didn't care about any of the dinosaurs. I didn't care about any of the action. I did the maybe the worst villain since uh, Electro, Campbell Scott connection. Mm. Uh this was horrid. This was just putrid. And like, it just, yeah, the, the fan applauding thing just makes, brings my piss to a boil. Like, I just can't believe that people could get entertained by something like this. I would much rather watch Jurassic Park one any other day of the week than the rest of this series can just die with the dinosaur bones. Like, yeah. I'm so done with it. Much like yourself. We will cover Jurassic World seven and shred it most likely. But yeah, this was, this was awful. This is, the worst thing I've seen this year in the theaters and yeah, in many a year. That's a very, very negative review. Mm-hmm. You brought up uh, the monster movie and earlier you brought up Steven Spielberg and Jaws. Yeah. Jaws works because of Captain Quint and the shark. Yeah. 
Jurassic Park works because of Pete Postlewaite and the dinosaurs. Now there's other pieces in there. Dreyfus, Dreyfus for Goldblum, like Roy Scheider for mm-hmm. whatever. Um, Sam Neill. We could blah 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 blah. Yeah, Sam Jackson's in that first one. He's good, and you know John Hammond is kind of like the vilified like creator, and they try and soften him a little bit. But like that's a more interesting character than what we got here. It's really easy, mm-hmm. and there's several blueprints that you can follow that you don't have to overthink this. But what is truly puzzling about this is in the overthinking and the overproduction that they make with these Jurassic Parks over and over and over. You would think sooner or later they would luck into some nugget of something that works. You and I have written many pages on a screenplay. And occasionally we come to something like, hey, this works because we caught lightning in a bottle. Remember that scene on page 48? This works perfectly, and you just get lucky. Yeah. This movie seems to be <laughs> luck averse Unlucky. and intellect <laughs> void. <laughs> Unlucky is a way to say luck averse. Well, it's got it's gotta be it's gotta be something when you know like Emily Carmichael and Trevor, you know, like you know you're getting paid. You know what I mean like people are gonna come see this movie, whatever you put down on that page. Yeah. So just put whatever you got down, and this is what they just blurted out I, I can't believe it full disclosure the reason we didn't do the show last week everybody is i was on vacation and we yeah. saw this movie at universal mm-hmm. at universal city walk and the place is just littered with as it's their property and universal studios is all about the jurassic park that stuff's everywhere right now yeah. heavy um, promotion very heavy promotion the theater still wasn't filled um but i think it also just kind of pissed me off because i was submerged in the middle of mass machine marketing on crapola, I, I, they, they, they I had a rant on no, Facebook this week wait, too. And no, I, I want to go ahead. Let me say this real quick. Universal likes to do that because the last time I went to Universal Studios, they were in heavy promotion for Cats, the live action oh, Cats. Lord, just like shoving it down your throat. I mean, that's like one of the worst things ever done. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah. they do it there. It's just like banners, cutouts, clothing. You can't get away from it. I don't know what pissed me off this week. One of two things: either this movie. In the last two weeks, this movie, or the fact that running up that hill by Kate Bush <laughs> is at number one. Everybody out there, I want you to listen to me. I was around when Kate Bush did that song the first time. No one fucking liked it then either. Kate Bush sucks. Yeah. If you really want to do Kate Bush, listen to me, all you fucking millennials. Yeah. Go listen to this woman's worth and then turn it off because the rest of her catalog is shit. Yeah. Just because it's been rekindled. And brought back again in such a fucking Stranger Things on the nose. I hate it yeah, way. Yeah. That's why I fucking hate Stranger Things. Yeah. Not only is everyone in that cast grotesquely ugly, but it is such they everyone they make everyone in that purposely <laughs> ugly. Yeah, it, Will's bull haircut. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. What was that? Nancy's blowout. Like everyone has the worst hair in that. It's terrible. <laughs> And then they continually do this and like they uncover Kate Bush. I mean, what's in the, what's in the next season? Are you going to bring out Susie and the Banshees? Are you going to oh, bring out Su- Bauhaus? Susie and the Banshees. Fuck you, yeah. Stranger Things. <laughs> and it pisses me off I that know. that's at number one. Dude, Stranger- no one likes that song. Dude, Stranger Things season four was the most viewed thing on Netflix in Netflix's history. Like it was like, was it like 297 views in the first 24 hour or first week or something. It's absurd. We're done and I have to like we finished it. You got two episodes left, though. Huh? <laughs> There's a part two to this. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, with what they've been released. Yeah. 
I think I hate that show. No, I feel you. It, it's it's lost its way quite a bit. God. It just. Okay, let's just let's 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 wrap this because sometimes I wish we still did the Patreon because I wish we had I would have loved to yeah, cover I, this I, show. I know, I know. I mean, it's too much, and I get it. But but uh, no, it was. Uh, I, I I like that they introduced this villain, Vecna, who's like the supreme architect of the Upside Down, and we're just like we're backtracking to like go set him up. Man, dude, plant some seedlings of that guy in the other seasons. It's, it, it, you can tell it's something they just came up with now and that they want to do it. That was part of the, the rant that I had on Facebook, though. As much as this Vecna guy is this cool villain, it's fucking Eddie from Iron Maiden. Yeah. It's the it's the flying aces. Like, what are they going to bring back the next season? you going to make him Power Slave? Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. Do something original, please. I know. Ah. I know. Ugh. I'll probably watch the two episodes just so I can continue to feed this intensely burning Do hatred it. fire yeah, I have. Feed it, feed it. <laughs> running up that hill. That I, just, I saw that and I literally threw up. Kate Bush has a song I do like. It's called Hammer Whore, which is kind of like a throwback to the Hammer Whore film studios. I actually kind of like that song, but yeah, I'm with you. It's just like, it's just like now it, that song is like bigger than it ever was, even when it came out. Yes. It's, it's absurd. Anyway, Ugh. Jurassic World Dominion. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, man, I just, yeah, that was, that was, this wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> this wasn't great. But yeah, we're going to, we're going to switch gears here a little bit. Uh, we, we've talked about, you know, doing a, a bit of a throwback cast here and maybe some small batch stuff will come in. I know Thor's coming out. We will want to dive into that and maybe some, some other stuff uh, as well. But the 90s were a fun time for action. Something was in the air, something was in the ground or in the water, and people were coming at it in a variety of different angles. So we're going to spend some time with some 90s action throwbacks. And uh, what do you think about this, Matt? Coming up first from 1994. I can't believe it was two years ago already that we did Die Hard, um, our contained yeah, film uh, or our contained cask with Reservoir Dogs and Assault on Precinct 13. So... I think of any of the diehard on a whatever's that have been made. There's one that stands out more than any of them. It's speed from 1994. What do you do? Yeah. I can't <laughs> wait. Yeah. Keanu, Sandra Bullock, the Dennis Hopper, always overacting Dennis Hopper, but I somehow love it. Yep. Jeff Daniels. Yep. Uh, this, this is going to be a nice change of pace from next week. Cause there's plot, there's character arcs, it's exciting. Like, you should come over and watch with me, actually. Okay. We could have a lot of fun with that. Sounds so, good. Yep. Uh, until then. Until then. Cheers. cheers. I got to get going. I got some locusts in the backyard. I got to go burn those things there, and hopefully I don't create a forest fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope not either. It's been so dry, though, so you might I have know. to watch out. I know. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you all next week. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening. To Rye Smile Films. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a rating and a review while you're there. It really helps out the show. And for Rye Smile Films merchandise, go to tpublic.com. Jurassic World Dominion is property of Universal Pictures, Amblin Entertainment, and Perfect World Pictures. And no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Don't, Don't move. move. Bigger. Why do they always have to go bigger?